Our reading is Paul's letter to Philippians, chapter 3, verses 7 to 14. can be found on page 1180 in the Church Bibles. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to Christ. Good. Well, uh, do keep that passage open in front of you um, in Philippians chapter 3. And uh, I'm just going to pray for us as we start. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for your word. Uh, thank you that we can read it. Thank you it is breathed out by you and is useful for us that we might be taught and corrected and rebuked and trained in righteousness. And so, Father, please would you teach us now. Amen. Well, today we're in uh, the last in a little series that we're doing on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and today we're thinking about uh, the Spirit and the Christian. And we're going to think about two things uh, from God's Word, from the Bible, uh, that are ways in which the Holy Spirit is at work day to day in believers. We've thought about various things uh, through this little series. Uh, the fact that the Spirit gives new birth, that is that when anyone becomes a Christian, that is a work of the Holy Spirit. That he produces fruit in the life of the Christian, uh, that is character that he produces. That he gives gifts to every Christian for the common good to build up others in the faith. And we thought last week, uh, with Stephen Gorkroger uh, speaking, for us, uh, we thought last week how the Spirit equips his people to go to the world with the gospel. 
And today, Pentecost Sunday, uh, we're going to focus on two further ways the Spirit works in the believer in our day-to-day lives. Now, to do this, we are going to look at several passages uh, in the Bible. That's not our normal practice. Normally, we would be working through a book of the Bible, and next week, uh, we start a new series. We're going to be working our way through the book of James. Um, So that's going to be next week. But for this week, as we finish off this series, we will be looking at different parts uh, of the Bible to pick up on these two things, two ways that the Holy Spirit works in the believer. And those two ways are on the screen, they're also on the back of the notice sheet, uh, that he helps us to know Jesus and makes us like Jesus. Helps us to know Jesus, makes us like Jesus. So we're going to think about those two things. The first one first helps us to know Jesus. We saw in our first sermon as we thought about uh, the fact that the Spirit is at work bringing new birth, bringing anyone to faith in Jesus, we thought that that is how the Spirit does it, that he brings people to Jesus, and particularly to the cross of Jesus, that we need to recognise our sin, that we need forgiveness, we need to recognise our wrongdoing, that we need to be forgiven by Jesus. The Spirit brings us to the cross and helps us to see that is where our sin can be dealt with. And so he brings us to the person of Jesus. But then the Christian experience in this life is one of wanting to grow in that relationship with Jesus. And Paul expresses that in that passage that Robin just read for us in Philippians 3, verses 7 to 10. Notice in that passage that Paul says that he does know Christ. He knows Jesus. So verse 8 What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing... uh, Sorry. What is more, I consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. So what's Paul saying there? He is saying he has come to know Christ. And he realises that Christ Jesus is worth more than anything in this world. There were other things that he lived for beforehand. But now, having come to know Christ, he sees that all other things are garbage, are rubbish, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. And so he delights in knowing Jesus, but he also wants to know Christ. Did you notice that in verse 10? He says, I want to know Christ. Now you think, Paul, which is it? Do you know Christ or do you want to know Christ? And the answer is both. He knows Christ. He knows Christ is worth more than anything. And he wants to know Christ. And that clearly isn't just he wants to know more about Christ. He says, verse 10, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul is not merely saying, I just want to know more about Christ. He's saying, I want to know Christ in experience. And so Paul's uh, Christian life and the life of a a normal Christian believer is one of knowing Christ and wanting to know Christ better, wanting more experience of Christ. You could liken the Christian experience to discovering a beautiful city. Maybe on holiday you've gone to a wonderful city 
been on a city break, you arrive uh, in that city as you go, maybe from the airport to your hotel, you go in a taxi or, or however it is, and as you, you're driven through the city, you catch glimpses. You see, it's a beautiful city, it's a wonderful place. And you just can't get out there to, can't wait to get out there to explore it. And you go and explore, and even after day one, you think there is just so much more I want to discover and want to find out about this place. Well, that in some ways is, is the Christian life, isn't it? That we know Christ as we come to faith, and that we want to know Christ more. And therefore, common Christian experience is one of satisfaction and dissatisfaction in your relationship with Jesus. That is, satisfied because you know he's worth more than everything, but also a slight dissatisfaction that you go, but I want to know him more. I want more than I've already got. And sometimes we can feel like everyone else seems to have a closer relationship with Jesus than I do. And I want what they've got. Well, of course, we all want to know Christ better, to know him more. And it is a work of the Spirit for us to know God and know Jesus better. So Ephesians 1:17 will come up on the screen. This was Paul's prayer, one of Paul's prayer, prayers for the Ephesians. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Notice Paul here writing to the Ephesians. This is a church, people he knows, know God, know Christ. And yet he's saying, I pray that you will know God better as the Spirit works in you. The Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, it's literally just uh, uh, that God may give you spirit. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit uh, of wisdom and revelation, so you may know him better. It's a work of the Spirit for this to happen. So here is an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer that we would know Jesus better. Now it's worth asking, how does the Spirit do this in us? He uses his word, his Spirit-breathed word, that we might know Christ better. But how does he do it? Well, that's where it's worth uh, looking back in the Bible to see how God has done this for saints in the past. How is it that those in the Bible got to know God better? And the answer actually is very often God takes people through difficulties, through sufferings, and through loss. Not as punishment. No, for the Christian, the punishment has been taken by Jesus when he died on the cross. But very often God uses uh, situations of suffering and trial so that his word would be implanted more deeply in the heart of his people. Take, for instance, uh, Jacob in the Old Testament met with God, wrestled with God. But what was the context of that? The context was he was afraid for his life. He was uh, on his way to meet with his brother, uh, and he thought his brother was going to kill him. He was frightened he was going to lose everything, frightened he was going to die. That is the moment that God met with him and wrestled with him. Or take Moses. We saw this in our Exodus series last term, and the term before. Uh, Moses brought up in Pharaoh's palace, in luxury, 
I came to a point of thinking, well, maybe now's the moment for me to lead God's people, but yet had to flee and was in the wilderness for 40 years before God met him at the burning bush in the wilderness. Or take Elijah, meets with God when he is running for his life and is so depressed he wants God to take his life. Or take Job, meets God when he has lost absolutely everything and is left sitting on an ash heap. Now, God can and does use uh, time, uh, joyful times as well as times of suffering. And it isn't that suffering in and of itself means we know God better. But rather, it seems the suffering and trials God takes us through are there to remove things that otherwise, uh, uh, things that have become the foundation of our lives. So he removes those things so that we can see that actually the foundation needs to be Jesus. And that Jesus is the surest, greatest, most delightful foundation that we can have. And so that those truths in God's word about him being a refuge and strength, a strong tower, can really sink into our hearts. You can see this happening in many of the saints in the Old Testament, many of God's people. You see it with King David. I've been coming back to Psalm 63 several times recently. It's a fascinating psalm. Interesting, within it, David expresses this love for God, this desire to know God better and better. He says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And he says, I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Now, you and I might imagine, well, he, there's someone going through a great time. He is someone who is experiencing some great time in his life. And yet you read the context and you see actually the context is one where David is in the desert of Judah. And the commentators think it's probably that he was on the run from King Saul, who was king of Israel at the time. So the context is uh, David fleeing, again, fleeing for his... It seems like they're always fleeing for their lives. Uh, David fleeing for his life from King Saul, had to flee from his home. Now, if that's the case, even though David has been promised that he will be king of Israel, at that point he is on the run. He doesn't know that it's definitely going to happen. He's lost a lot. And yet he doesn't plead with God saying, God, get me home. He doesn't say, give me material comfort. No, his prayer is all about God, even though he's in the desert. He's saying, God, your love is better than life. I'll be satisfied with you. David knew that the best thing he could have was more of God. Doesn't matter if he loses everything as long as he has more of God. Now, every Christian has their desert moments, their scars, their wilderness times. I have. I can look back on difficult times, even in the last couple of years, times when I've struggled particularly with anxieties over particular things. It was very difficult and I needed help for it. And yet, through those times, I've got to know the Lord better. 
Was it worth going through those times, those desert times? Oh yes, it's definitely worth it. It's not pleasant, but it's definitely worth it to know God better. I was listening to a Tim Keller sermon recently. He quoted a dedication at the start of a book by Larry Crabb. And this is how the dedication goes. To the memory of Dr. Charles Smith, a mentor who prayed for his cancer to return if it would bring him closer to God. In his last year, he found God in a measure he had never known before. And then he died of cancer. Now there's someone who knew that knowing God is greater than everything and anything and who wanted to experience God more. Tim Keller then in the sermon gave this challenge. Anyone who says that's crazy to pray to have cancer if it means you have more of God. Anyone who says that's crazy shows they've never tasted it. Because anyone who's tasted the reality of God knows that anything is worth losing to know him better. I wonder if you know that taste of knowing God, the delight of knowing him and the yearning to know him more. It is, as we've seen, a work of the Spirit that we would come to know God better and better. And therefore, if you are struggling right now, and I know there are members in our church family who are struggling, pray. Pray that through those sufferings, through those difficulties, you would come to know God better. Because there is nothing greater. Pray along with David that to know God's love is better than life. And we need to pray for one another that God would give us a spirit of revelation that we would know him better. And as we look to the future as a church, we don't need to be afraid. We don't know what the future holds for us in terms of Church of England, how things are going to go. We've no idea. There could be hard times ahead. There could be changes. Who knows? The Lord knows. But the thing to pray is that we as a church family would know God more whatever comes because that will be better far better than anything else so let's pray that for one another for us as a church second uh, the, the holy spirit in his day-to-day -day work in us so he helps us to know jesus and second makes us like jesus We know that God's purpose is that we become more like Christ. We know that from Romans 8. I've not put the verses on the screen, but uh, we know that that is his purpose for all his people, that in all things he works for our good, to make us more like Jesus. And his spirit is at work in us to achieve that purpose. We looked at Galatians 5 before, and we're going to look at it again. Um, actually, the verses are on the screen. John Newell preached on the fruit of the Spirit for us, very helpful, helping us think what the fruit is that the Spirit brings in our lives. 
But it's worth going back to that passage again, just to pick up one further point from it about what that then means in our lives, because it isn't plain sailing. So Galatians 5, 16 to 17, on the screen there. Let me read those for us. It says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. That is saying, within the Christian, within every Christian, there is the Spirit of God, and there is the flesh. Or as it's sometimes called elsewhere, the sinful nature. Before someone becomes a Christian, before you were a Christian, if you are a Christian today, before someone becomes a Christian, uh, it is just the sinful nature. It's just the flesh. The Spirit is not there. But when someone becomes a Christian, God puts his Spirit in us. And therefore, both are there. And that then means there is a conflict going on. Do you see in those verses, it says there is a conflict within the Christian. Because the spirit and the flesh want opposite things. Verse 17 or in there says uh, that the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. Now we need to take that on board, don't we? That means the normal Christian experience is one of being torn apart in a way. You're like a person with two dogs, each on a lead, you're holding both, and they are pulling you in opposite directions. Be aware of that. You know there are times when your desires inside you are the exact opposite of what the Bible says. Are you aware of that? Of course that's true. That's true for all of us. You might think, oh, that's just me. No, it's true for all Christians that we are pulled by the flesh to go in the opposite direction of the way God wants us to. There'll be times where you want to be just self-indulgent, self-centred. When you want to say, just this once in life, I am going to do what I want to do. I'm going to indulge my desires. And furthermore, others around me had better do what I want. And serving others can take a back seat this time. I just want to do the things I want to do, watch the things I want to watch, get angry with those who annoy me, spend my money on me, and do what I want. Every Christian has those desires. Maybe different in each of us. But we all have the flesh. That's what Paul's saying. And yet, the Christian has God's spirit as well, wanting the exact opposite. Saying to you, through his word, you're a child of God, bought by the blood of Jesus, forgiven through the cross, uh, adopted at great cost, and therefore live out who you are, a child of God, sacrifice for others, love others as God has loved you. And that battle is going on inside each one of us. And therefore, someone with the spirit inside them is in a battle. Paul says the flesh and the spirit are in conflict. 
And therefore, it should be encouraging to you when you experience that fight, that pull. You might, our tendency is to think when we're tempted, when we're tempted to go our own way rather than God's way, our temptation is to think, I'm struggling, I'm not coping, I'm, you know, I'm not a very good Christian. Paul is saying that is exactly the Christian experience. So in some ways, it's encouraging when you're feeling torn. I watched a clip of um, Jackie Hills Perry. Um, we watched a, a, a video of her speaking at, um, at the Lent course that we did. I was watching another one of hers where she talks about exactly this, about the fight within Christians. And she relayed a story from when she'd just become a Christian. So she's an American lady. She uh, worked at a Wendy's fast food restaurant in America. And she explained that uh, working at that Wendy's, she, uh, there was a way whereby if someone paid with a $20 bill, there was some way whereby she could do something and end up stealing that $20. And she knew she could do it. She then became a Christian, and two days after she became a Christian, there was an opportunity to take, steal that $20. And she knew she wouldn't get caught. And she says, for the first time in my life, I hesitated. And she says, it wasn't for fear of getting caught, but because for the first time she was aware God was watching her. And she says it wasn't a fear that he would send her to hell, but a realisation he wants better for me. She said she'd never had that tension in her body. And she said, actually, that's encouraging because it shows God's spirit is at work. When the spirit is given to us, when we become a Christian, a battle begins. And so the Christian experience is a fight. And yet the Spirit doesn't merely set up that fight, he also empowers us to fight it. Romans uh, 8, 12 to 13, which is going to come up on the screen. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now just notice that last bit of that. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. The Spirit is in you to help you fight that battle. He doesn't just set up the fight and like the referee in the middle of the ring go ding, ding, round one and it's you versus the flesh. No, the Spirit is in you to help you fight against sin and to put sin to death. And that is important. Sometimes we feel like the battle is incredibly unfair. Uh, the desires of the flesh are so strong, and we mess up frequently, and yet we can be unaware that God has given us his spirit, and by him we can fight and put sin to death. So don't be content with ongoing wrongdoing. I wonder at times whether we do just put up with it, that we in some ways give up fighting. We feel that since all Christians are sinners and since we won't totally get rid of sin in this life, and that is true, therefore we give up and stop fighting. But that is to underestimate the power of God in us. It is to underestimate the power of the spirit. Yes, the fight of flesh versus spirit will go on for the rest of this life. But he empowers us to fight. 
And the reality in the Christian life is there are many battles against sin going on all at the same time. And those who've been Christians longer, who've fought for longer, will I'm sure say that there are, praise God, victories along the way. Some sins which they now don't struggle with as much as they used to. Some which have been battles all their lives and continue to be, and some new ones which have sprung up. The war changes in shape. But there are victories along the way, praise God. So rejoice that the Spirit helps us in the victories and pray that he would strengthen us in the battles. So there we go. Two things, briefly, that we have looked at, that we pray for, and that the Spirit works in us day by day, that we would know Jesus better and that we would become more like Jesus. Neither is simple, but both are glorious. And although we will achieve neither perfectly in this life, be aware the end destination is certain for both knowing Jesus and becoming like him. Because we're promised that Though we know God genuinely now, the future is glorious. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12 says, We see only a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So in this life we know God, but we will know him better. We will know him fully. And in this life, we're gradually being made more like Jesus. But then in the future, we will be transformed, totally transformed, all sin removed. So the end result is certain. Perfect knowledge of God, perfect likeness of Christ. And so we look forward to that. And pray that the Lord will work both more in us now. That more and more we would know Jesus because there is nothing better. And more and more we would become like him because there is nothing more worthwhile. And so let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray please that you would help us to know you better. Father, I pray that, we pray that for each one of us, that we would know you. Give us your spirit more, that you would open our eyes more to your goodness and greatness and that we would depend on you not just knowing about you but knowing you and father we do pray for those in our uh, here those in our church family who are struggling at the moment going through difficult times that those would only serve uh, serve to, to make them know you better and you would use those trials that their faith would be refined and they would know you more. We pray as well that you would keep bringing about in us your fruit in our lives. Transform us to be more like Jesus. And Father, we know that means it's going to be a fight for each one of us, of the flesh versus the spirit. And we pray that you would empower us by your spirit to engage in that battle. And so, Father, please keep working in us by your spirit and for your glory. Amen.